Marketing Movement by Refine Labs. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Marketing Movement with the Refine Labs crew. Uh, we're really excited to be doing episode number two of the self-reported attribution. Uh, this is a super fun topic for us here at Refine Labs. Uh, it's one that you'll see us talking about quite a bit. Uh, if you haven't listened to episode one, I recommend going and listening to that one first. We're going to be covering, you know, what it is, why it's important, how to implement it, and then all the obje objections that you may receive uh, when introducing this idea. So if you haven't listened to it, hold off on this one, go listen to that one, and then come back. Uh, but if you already have listened to episode number one, welcome. This is the second uh, rendition of it. We're going to be jumping into like more of the fun, like meaty pieces of this. We'll be talking about uh, uncovering insights that we're receiving here at Refine Labs with ourselves and with clients with self-reported attribution, how to use the data, and then how to use it for future growth. Uh, so before kicking off this fun topic, I want to make sure that we all introduce ourselves before going in. Uh, I'm Ashley Lewin. I am a director of Demand Gen here at Refine Labs. I'll kick it over to Tori. Hey, everybody. Tori Kinlick, VP of Demand Gen at Refine Labs. And over to you, Sylvia. Hi, everybody. Sylvia Valencia. I am a director of Demand Gen. And Dan, do you want to go next? I'm Daniel Pinkston, and I am the loan performance marketing manager on this episode. <laughs> Daniel, we're so excited to have you on here. You have all of the like really great actionable insights, uh, you know, in the weeds and all that stuff. So let's just not waste any time. Let's get into it. Uh, so first and foremost, I want to talk about insights we're seeing here at Refine Labs and with our clients when implementing the self-reported attribution. Sylvia, I would love if you could take us away here and just kind of dive into this topic. Let's do it. So this was a very interesting um, uh, like a very interesting set of insights that I think we got with this one client because we ended up taking action in platforms and in other places where we originally were not expecting to take action on. So this customer, of course, had implemented How Did You Hear About Us with our best practices. Um, and we saw that we were getting a lot of uh, people saying that they heard about that product through a colleague, through a coworker, uh, you know, at their network, uh, a lot of like friend referrals. I heard about you uh, through my connections, et cetera, in different ways, but that ended up adding more and more and more to the total chunk of submissions. Um, it's important to note that what we were doing here on a demand generation standpoint, uh, in platforms, meaning in, in social, we were targeting a very strict ICP, decision makers, you know, like very specific job titles, industries, regions. We're very tight in that sense. Um, we started seeing that the influence of our audience's network played a big role in the products they chose to learn more about. And as we started to understand, okay, this is how our buyers really care about, you know, understanding our product. It's through the influence of their circle. Uh, we said, hey, is this a good call to maybe start also influencing those influencers, right? So we started to expand our audiences in paid social to also capture the, let's call it inner circle of our 
buyers. Um, why? Because they are already, you know, influencing them to begin with, but let's add value to them and let's, you know, show them more about this product so that we can get that full circle going. I think we were missing out that really big part. And a lot of companies, I think, go through this. They're like, my you know, my decision maker is this one job title, but Hey, at the end of the day, as you know, users of products and, you know, colleagues and having a, a network in general, we are very, very influenced by our, our, our recommendations in general. So, um, that was a really key insight that we got. And we are actually currently now, um, starting to uh, try to understand how those expanded audiences are performing. Um, but yeah, we did not expect that with self-reported attribution, we were going to end up making changes in platforms and changing audiences and things like that. So that was a very great thing to see. That's awesome. I'll uh, I'll follow that up with uh, with another example that um, I've seen from from one of our Refine Labs clients who uh, who implemented. So um, a lot of our conversation thus far, right, has been around uh, the audience insights. Um, what specific channels, uh, you know, we're, we're running our, our ads on and are they making an impact? Um, are there new channels that we should be on? Uh, here's another perspective to, to consider here. So, um, content marketing 101, right. Is, is you have to, when you're building out your content, you want to have the distribution strategy in mind. Uh, and so when we're talking about a distribution strategy, when we're talking about kind of planning that, that far in advance, um, you know, you're really thinking about what, what platform, what channel is this content going to, to live on? Uh, and so one of the, the examples, um, the positive takeaways that we've seen from a client that implemented this was, you know, they were going heavy into, uh, you know, written content. Um, you know, they had a, a, a really effective podcast as well, but when we started looking into their self-reported attribution data, you know, we were finding that a lot of folks were mentioning, uh, a specific channel where, you know, there isn't a whole lot of blogs and white papers and eBooks that are, are, are being shared around there. And so when you're seeing these common trends within the people that are coming inbound, that they're spending their time and hearing about you on a platform where maybe all of the content is actually just conversational or very, very short term, uh, excuse me, um, uh, short, you know, uh, style content, the, um, you know, the way that, that you need to kind of think about these insights now is, all right, you know, am I creating the right type of content to, to support this, to, to really build it out and, and scale it? Uh, and this is what dark social and dark social content strategy is all about. It's, it's not just understanding where your buyers are, um, but trying to figure out the right way to appeal to them, the right way to, uh, you know, get your, your content and your, your brand in those channels and not just inject it in there and, and say, Hey, you know, uh, I, I saw everyone talking about this topic and here's a white paper on it. No one wants your white paper. So don't do that. But, um, you know, if you were to, let's say instead, uh, you know, find some of those, those insights, find the, the topics that, that people are caring about. Um, you know, those are the type of insights that you want to kind of feed back into your content strategy uh, and figuring out ways that, um, you know, maybe it's, uh, it's moving away from blogs, but um, still utilizing that same kind of outlet outline uh, that you would use to create a blog and instead finding ways to, to, you know, start conversations around the subtopics of that blog within these, um, you know, these specific channels. So, so it doesn't just have to be exclusively focused on where we're going to run ads, uh, but also, you know, 
is our content strategy, the things that we're investing time and people and resources into, um, is it the right strategy to, to really continue understanding and utilizing these, these insights? And I just want to jump in and put a bow on that point um, that you made, Tori, in that I think one of the things that's really underutilized is a focus on aligning the type of content that you're putting out with the channels that you're using. Um, so I know I've talked a lot about Reddit over the span of this last episode and change. Um, but, you know, there are certain platforms where the language that you're using, where immersing yourself into that platform, TikTok and things like that um, is really, really crucial. So that's another way that you can kind of leverage some of those insights um, to really not only determine what type of content you should be putting out, but how to make sure that you're using the right content on the right platform to deliver the optimal result. Uh, and then one other point that I had around this um, is we we see a lot of, I, you know, I spend a lot of my time um, in platform. So we see a lot of discrepancies between in-platform attribution and backend. Um, you guys are dealing on the, you know, the backend and the client facing side a lot more. Um, but we, you know, this is something that we're always talking about between, you know, PMMs and DDGs here is, is um, and I think that, Self-reported attribution is a great way to kind of close some of that gap and, and really be able to see like when we walk through with a, with a client on a performance report, like we'll go through the platform numbers, but we'll also go through the self-reported numbers and we'll be able to give them a clear picture of, okay, yes, at the platform level, this looks like it's maybe underperforming a little bit, but we're actually seeing that, um, you know, more social is actually happening and, and not being attributed because people are coming in organically because maybe they saw your ad on LinkedIn and then they remember the company name and they just went right to your website because they're not a lazy person like me who will Google a company, even though I know the URL that I'm going to. Um, and, and like you were saying, I think it also serves as a really great heat check for any given platform or content theme. Um, and one of the other things I think that it's helped me with in, in seeing these conversations, um, a lot of organizations really heavily rely on search. It's kind of where they start their plan from and, and build backwards from there. And, and I've been in a lot of conversations across a lot of different industries where the conversation is like, okay, we know that we want to allocate 75% of our budget to search. And if there's money left over, we'll put it on LinkedIn or, or these other platforms as a test. And, you know, if you've been following refine in the work that we're doing and the, and the message that we're preaching um, for a while, you know that we talk a lot about the, the kind of split between demand creation and demand capture. Um, your search channels are, are really your, meant to be your demand capture channels and, and really creating demand in those other channels where you can reach people that don't already know your brand or, or need further um, push along that funnel. And having those insights from self-reported attribution is a great way to push that conversation and steer that conversation towards, okay, maybe we should be shifting more of your budget away from search and, and towards social or towards these other activities where we can get these kind of new, whether it's new customers, whether it's new insights, um, and, and ultimately let the channels function the way that kind of aligns with, with creating and capturing in, in the best structure. Um, so I've, I've seen that help where we've had some of those conversations, some of, you know, some of our clients tend to come in and they tend to be spending a little bit more, um, or the majority of their budget on search. And, and we try and move them away from that and using the self-reported attribution piece is a great way to kind of help steer that conversation. Yeah. And that that's, that, oh, sorry, go ahead, please. Uh, no, I was just going to say that when those self-reported attribution fields that say, I heard about you on LinkedIn or on Facebook start coming in, as you start to actually create value in those platforms, that feeling is the best as a marketer to know that your ads, your content, the work you're putting in is not just like, you know, a vanity thing per se, but that it's influencing 
your highest intent buyers. And it does take time. But once you do start to see, you know, people recognize you because they heard about you or they saw you in platforms, um, it's a really great point that then you can take back to your leadership or whoever you are dealing with and say, but this is the proof that what we're doing is giving us the right, um, you know, uh, insights. So, um, yeah, go Terry. What? No, that's uh, no, I think that's, that's a, a perfect segue. Um, right. Because there's, there's kind of two, two ways to really look at this data, right? There's the, the validation or justification of your current strategies. Uh, but then there's also the, you know, the identifying of, of potential new strategies and, and channels. And um, fortunately, unfortunately, right. The, the reason that we we've kind of gotten to this point where so many people are uh, over indexing on, on attribution data or over indexing on attributable channels, like the example that Daniel just gave, um, you know, with, uh, with AdWords and search, um, you know, the attribution is clean there. And that's why people think that uh, that's where I want to invest the most money because it's the most impactful. Well, no, it's just that it's, it's uh, as close to a, a straight line purchase and, and conversion as, as we're going to see in B2B. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think that people have overcorrected towards utilizing that attribution data over time. Um, and that has led to, you know, folks really spending too much money on, on search, on demand capture and not enough on demand creation. Uh, and so, you know, kind of going back to that, that original point, right. The, um, the, the kind of the two core ways that you can use these insights, uh, there is a lot of, of value in being able to justify and validate your, your current strategies, whether that's something that you're needing to do because your strategy does not have a lot of attributable touch points on it, uh, or whether it's, uh, you know, something that is a little bit newer and you're really looking for some of that, that validation, those, those qualitative, uh, you know, examples before maybe you're seeing some of the, uh, the new deals that are, are, are going to come from it, right? Almost looking for, for leading indicators. Um, you know, I, I think that, that there's going to be a ton of value for marketers who are, are moving from the lead gen strategy to the true demand gen, demand creation strategy uh, and self-reported attribution can absolutely play a huge part in that. Um, the other part that I think it's really important for everyone, everyone listening right now to, to think through is the more future facing strategy and the, the insights that you can gather that are going to help you improve what you're currently doing now and find new ways to get better and reach new people and experiment on new channels. And, um, and, you know, self-reported attribution to me is really how you can jumpstart that and, and, you know, really go, go full or at least uh, a heavier focus on dark social in general. Um, and, and part of that is, is by, you know, uh, understanding what's happening, the buyer behavior on those, on those platforms and, and their habits and, uh, you know, where they are and, and what people are talking about. Right. So you have, uh, you know, some level of understanding now that you've implemented this around where people are going, uh, you know, you're, you're starting to understand, do you have the right content strategy in place right now to continue appealing to these folks and, and really hopefully influencing some of that word of mouth. Um, but now that you've identified these things, you know, what do you, what do you do there? Uh, well, 
to start, you don't just show up and start pitching your product because that's a great way for people to just tune you out or block you, or maybe go start a new, uh, you know, community that, that you're not in because they're not worried about getting pitched to or, or something of that nature. Um, but I think that the other thing that, that can be really, really helpful is, uh, you know, as you're maybe just in the beginning, sitting on the sidelines and checking out these channels and trying to figure out what your, what your play is, you know, take note of the, the people that are, are true thought leaders on some of these new channels. Um, the, the folks that are starting conversations that other people are gravitating towards and, 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 uh, you know, uh, maybe signaling that they want that particular person or user to provide some more insights. Guess what? These are the people that you want to be trying to include in some of your, um, your upcoming content creation, right? If you have a podcast, Hey, there's a person that could be on your next podcast. If you are looking for new ideas for, for content that can come from just spending time in these, in these new channels. Um, you know, if you're looking for people to write a guest blog or even do like a Q and a session with, uh, you know, this is, this is how you find those, those new, uh, those new personalities, those new people. And, and, um, you know, they've also got some, uh, some clout in these, you know, these, uh, these channels and, and other folks are around there are going to listen to them. So, you know, that's going to be another way that it's almost like a mini influencer strategy, but, um, you know, these things can be really, really impactful. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think it's important to not just think about these things in terms of, all right, can this help me validate my, my strategy that doesn't have a lot of attribution touch points, but more than anything, it, it can really help you understand what your dark social content strategy should look like and, and, you know, really start to kind of put some, some guardrails and, and have it take shape a little bit instead of just, uh, you know, thinking you're putting a blindfold on and, and throwing a dart at a dartboard. You would be surprised at how specific people get, right? I think that's a misconception that we have that nobody is going to say anything uh, that, that can give us really informative insights. But the truth is that I, it's personal. Like for me, it's been surprising how detailed people get. Like I heard about you from my friend, Jane Smith, who works at Amazon or whatever. And she told me this and this and this. And again, Tori, what you're saying, the amount of insights that you get truly are, you know, it, it's something that as a marketer, I had never gotten before in any other way, like through, you know, any other field in general. So um, it's it's good to not uh, to to think that people will get specific. Not everybody will, but you will get some some clear names, some clear action items from it. Yeah. And, and so let's, uh, let's pull the moderator into this, this discussion here so that she's not just asking us questions, but I, I actually borrowed a couple ideas from you, Ashley, with, uh, some of the, um, the information that you were putting in front of a client, a couple ideas on, on, you know, really how to, how to utilize these, these insights in particular, um, you know, understanding potential new audience targeting and, and also, uh, you know, maybe some new ways to look at your, your pipeline sources. So, um, yeah, can you kind of share with us, uh, you know, some of what you're you're doing with your clients? Yeah, I'd love to. So I think first we need to know that this is just another piece of your data puzzle to help guide decisions. Data should always guide conversations and decisions. I always like to say data informed, not data driven, because you're taking in these, you know, bits and pieces and piecing them together to make a really great strategy. Uh, so this is just another element of that. It gives you another leg up and to figure out, OK, this strategic decision, why are we making it? How can we pull in different levers for this? 
this. Uh, so with self-reported attribution, you're able to do that. You're saying, okay, I saw that we're making a big hit or big waves over here on people remembering us from LinkedIn um, and then we're capturing them on paid search. Like those are the two things. So in Q2, we're going to focus on uh, employee advocacy on LinkedIn because we're noticing that a lot of our audience is over there. So that's another kind of like stacking growth lever that you can pull. Um, we're also going to maybe put more money behind our LinkedIn ads because we're again, we're noticing a huge sway over on that platform. So it allows you just to take these different pieces and figure out, okay, how can we kind of like piecemeal this together in order to start stacking growth um, in, you know, a strategic and data informed way, but not a data driven way. I think another thing too, is when you look at it, I love to look at it in multiple different kind of lights. So I love to um, put it up against your pipeline. So uh, in episode one, we covered how you should be tracking it over on different, you know, objects within your CRM, especially in Salesforce, I, I think it's almost mandatory that you put it on almost every single object, especially the opportunity object, because I love to see and I love to have the conversations with clients of, hey, let's look at your close one pipeline for this quarter. Let's look at where the buckets of self-reported attribution are. Are we seeing a trend and then comparing it against, you know, maybe a change log of decisions you made like, hey, yeah, we noticed that in this quarter we put heavier uh, budgets into LinkedIn. Then we saw, you know, more of your pipeline close one with the self-reported attribution of uh, LinkedIn. So it's a nice way to kind of leverage those pieces and make those strategic decisions. But I would say you definitely need to be putting this up against pipeline uh, reports, you know, close one, even close loss. Like if you see a lot in your close loss from a certain category, that may mean that you are not investing in the right areas and so that you can put your money and your effort and your time into a better utilized category. Um, but also pipeline created, average deal sizes, the average sales cycle, like you'll start to see these trends and be able to make some really great strategic converse or decisions from it. How I would love to see how you you guys are also using it, like any certain reports or how is it helping derive a lot of the strategic conversations with clients? I think one of the things um, that I've seen so far is it's actually been a tool that's helped us in terms of evaluating and expanding our ICP and our audience targeting a little bit. Um, I think one of the things that a lot of marketers fall into is thinking that just we need to reach the decision makers um, and, and overlooking how many people are actually involved in that process, especially if you have a longer sales cycle, um, you know, and, and that's something that I think gets overlooked a lot. So we, we've seen some insights that have come out of this where we're getting better insights into who the person is on the other end and what kind of content is resonating with them and aligning the strategy with that in a way that has helped us look beyond just those kind of core chief decision maker kind of titles to be able to say like, okay, you know, maybe I'm a CEO and my executive assistant is the one that I'm assigning to go research this product that I, that we may need as, as a business. Um, but you're only targeting me and you're not targeting that assistant. You're missing those opportunities. So I think that's one thing that we've taken out of it is like just the way that you can tie all of these pieces together to help you build a more targeted audience, um, expand that, some of that targeting out or refine it further, or, you know, really make some of those, um, changes to your approach across the board. I love it. Sylvia, are you seeing anything else with your clients or how are you using it to fuel the momentum for future growth? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think what you mentioned there is key of integrating it into your reports. Um, to do that, we went uh, in particular about how to make that happen with bucketing that 
it, those fields through uh, automation workflows, um, you need to do that to make sure that you can actually read and use the data and pull it into all of these fun CRM reports. Um, so I would say that can be you know a little bit um, of a step um, to to have all these actionable insights. And I would also say um, that even after you've categorized it, that you do you know uh, take a peek here and there to see what those you know uh, free text. Of, fields are still coming in as so that you can get further insights or see if there is anything perhaps on the flows that needs to be corrected. Uh, but I just wanted to quickly touch base on that. But for sure, you need to have this against your conversions, meaning what, let's say those are demo requests. Um, you need to have this against the pipeline that is created. You should have it against the pipeline that your sales teams con considers qualified pipeline, which is not just all pipeline. Um, ideally against, you know, close uh, one revenue and close lost, as you mentioned, Ashley as well. Um, and yeah, I think uh, for, for, for some reason, uh, as you know, someone that has, implemented self-reported attribution uh, fairly, you know, recently, I think it surprised me in ways that I was like, you know, like so many years ago, I think that was a very popular field that would we'd see in forums. How did you hear about us? Or like, tell me more about how you heard about us. And I was always like marketing automation platforms, give me that. But I have been shocked at how much more it, detail and insight you get from your most valued audience. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been critical. Well, I, I just wanted to jump in real quick, and and I love that both Sylvia and Tori brought up like things that circle around this point because it's something that I think about a lot. Um, I started my career working in content marketing, and specifically at a company that started as print first and built in digital later. Um, and it's always blown my mind how we've really gone in this pendulum swing from like when you're running print ads or billboards or TV or all these other unmeasurable mediums where the only thing you're going off of is a potential impression um, to, you know, the, the age where we've become so reliant on the, the attribution of digital. Um, and I really think that self-reported self-reported attribution has put itself in a great place to be that middle ground, um, which ties into that growth piece really well, because, you know, if, if you want to be ahead of the curve, if you want to be, you don't want to be the last company that's implementing something that everybody's going to be moving to and, and, you know, a year or two because they see the value in it. So get on board early um, and, and, you know, push, push your leadership or, or be the, be the, the voice raiser for that and raise your flag. For sure. Uh, so as you can tell, we could talk for hours on this topic. It's one that we are all very passionate about, have seen incredible success with. Um, Maybe there'll be an episode three. I don't know. But anyways, if you would love to keep talking about this topic, find us on LinkedIn. We'd love to, you know, geek out about this topic or we're always kind of writing posts about it, too. So definitely continue the conversation with us. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for your time. This was fun to dig into. Um, and I know there'll be even more content about this in the future. Uh, so hope you enjoyed it. And thanks for your time.